Sinstro Surf fans. I'm Lady Reverb, and this is SurfGuitar101.com's podcast number 13. In this show, I'm going to be playing you songs from some of the best surf of 2011. There really was so many great surf music CDs released this past year, and this was a really fun show to put together. Okay, I've got six full sets of tunes to play for you here, so let's just dive right in. This first song is called Mana Pacifica, off the fantastic new album Aloha Baby by awesome SoCal Exotica band the Tikiaki Orchestra. This features surf-based superstar and SG-101 regular John Paul Block.
top of that set was Mana Pacifica from the Tikiaki Orchestra. And that was followed by a lovely tune called Talking to the Trees from my buddy Bruce Brewington's band, The Reef Riders from Pacifica, California. That's off their new album, Two Wave Hold Down. After The Reef Riders, we heard a great tune from a band called Voodoo Court. That's a former Santa Rosa, California band now located in Asheville, North Carolina. That's off their latest album, and the song was entitled Taken by the Sea. The last song there we heard was Tarnation Station from Norman, Oklahoma guitar slinger Terry Buffalo Ware. That was off his new album, Reverb Babylon. Okay, moving right along, this next set features tunes that all share a little country or western flavor. Starting off with Bel Air by Vancouver Canadian band The Falcons. This is from their new album, Atomic Guitar.
All right, that last tune we heard was Backwash. That's by a California band on the Sonoma coast called North of Malibu. That's off their latest release entitled Greetings, Surflings. At the top of the set, we heard Bel Air by the Falcons. And after that, we heard Theme from Mondo Cacti from the Reverb Syndicate. Like the Falcons, the Reverb Syndicate is also a Canadian band. They're from Ottawa, Ontario. That great tune is a title track from their latest CD, Mondo Cacti. Finally, the third song we heard in that terrific set was Watching the Blood in the Bullseye from a German band, The Razorblades. That's from their latest release called Give Me Some Noise. Okay, this next set features a bunch of fantastic surfing spy tunes. And I'm starting you off here with Demonica from Zurich, Switzerland band, The Baharibas.
starting things off there, I played you Demonica from the Bahari Buzz. That's from their album entitled Sound the Bell for the Last Round. After that, we heard No Free Fez from San Diego band Chum. That's off their awesome and latest album, Fighting Words. Following Chum, we heard Order of the Black Sun from an Atlanta, Georgia band called The Mystery Men. That's off their EP, Session Obscura, and it's a first outing for the band. I'm hoping we'll be hearing much more from them in the future. Finally, the great tune I played at the very end of that set was The Ride of May Gray. That's from a band called Jaguar and the Savannas, from Catania, Italy. That's a city that lies right at the foot of Mount Etna on the Italian island of Sicily. Hey Lady Reverb, Shecky Shekels here. Hope you don't mind me busting in on your podcast. I'm about to hit Reverb Overload, so let's take a break, shall we? Okay. I happen to be sitting on this interview with the great Don Wilson of The Ventures, courtesy of Rich Dirksen, a.k.a. Papa Surf on SG-101. So let's listen to that. Okay, if you insist, Shecky. Thanks, lady. Hi, this is Rich Dirksen from Surf Guitar 101. I'm very pleased to have with me today founding member of the Ventures, Don Wilson. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today, Don. Well, it's nice to be here. And I'm with uh, Bob Spaulding, who plays lead guitar and bass guitar with the Ventures. He's been with us for about 30 years. And our manager, Fiona Taylor, who uh, has been mani- managing us for about this length, the same length of time. So It's been a pleasure to meet you, Bob, and Fiona. Nice to be here. Nice to be here too. Well, I can't talk with the Ventures without talking about instruments. I wanted to ask maybe both of you, what is the first guitar that you played? And maybe run through some of the guitars that you played uh, over the years and, and maybe give us, let us know what your favorites are. Well, my partner Bob, who passed away uh, in 2009, he uh, and I bought two guitars in a pawn shop. We were both uh, construction workers. And we were out of town a lot and staying in hotels. And, you know, when we weren't working, we really had nothing to do. So we thought we would buy a couple of guitars and learn how to play them. He knew a few chords. I knew a few chords from, uh, you know, influences, uh, musical influences in our family. My mom played uh, a stringed instrument uh, called a tipple. Uh, I don't think anybody knows what that is, but <laughs> and uh, and Bob's brother played a guitar, so he and I, you know, knew a few chords, and so we bought these two guitars in a pawn shop. I think we paid about fifteen dollars a piece for them, and one I think was a a Stella. Uh, you go way back on that. Uh, I'm not sure that they still don't make these things. I don't know. I know Silvertone has come back. Uh, somebody might have bought the name or something because that was a Sears guitar and I think the other guitar that we bought was called a Harmony mm-hmm. and uh, you know they were uh, strings were about an inch away from the neck anyway we practiced on those but chord books finally thought we would uh, step out and buy some Fender guitars and we did enough for a down payment and then make payments on them. So we did that, and it was amplifiers, and uh, gave us a lot more incentive to learn 
than just a couple of acoustic guitars with uh, electric pickups on them, you know, underneath the strings. So, as as Don said <laughs> about uh, Bob Vogel, the co-founder of the, of the Ventures, who <laughs> initially got a Jazzmaster guitar, and that's become synonymous with the Ventures sound. And of course, Bob was the innovator of the type of playing that used the tremolo bar very much so. And of course, that that that's. Uh, characteristic of a lot of their early hits, Walk Don't Run and Perfidia. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think early on they they uh, used exclusively uh, Fender guitars. And there's a kind of a unique story that when they went, moved down to Los Angeles from the early days, they had Fender guitars, two jazz masters, you know, Fender bass. And Bob went to Fender, and I think you guys went to Fender, maybe you both did. They said, can we get guitars? And they said, oh, of course you can get guitars. And of course they sold a tremendous amount of guitars. With So what they would do with some of the guitars that they had, would just give them, the Fender said, you have to give them back to us and we'll give you new ones. <laughs> yeah. So they would give them the old guitars and they would get new guitars. And so, yeah. but fortunately, some of the older guitars have, have remained. And uh, one of them you just got back with from the uh, display at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that was displayed there. Uh, but from Fender, uh, of course, as you probably know, they went on to form their own guitar company, the Moserite Company. And uh, Moserites, again, were synonymous uh, with the Ventures and the Ventures Sun because all these guitars ended up on Ventures record albums. And of course, we all looked at that, you know, in the early days. And yeah, now it's Wilson Brothers guitars, yeah. And I, I know that uh, you wanted to know uh, what we did to change that or. Uh, to make it to our specifications, which actually the Moserite guitar was uh, kind of a combination of how the shape was going to be. And actually, uh, Semi Mosley, he just got a, a, a strat and turned it over. That's all he did to make that design. And we're, we're, we happen to be uh, synonymous, I guess you might say, with that design and so when we did the Wilson Brothers we wanted to make that similar design and we wanted uh, pickups that we wanted and we wanted the neck the way we wanted it which Semi Mosley was kind of uh, what can you say uh, not so cooperative with what we wanted more than what he wanted and so you know we, we had to get away from that and uh, because he wouldn't change anything to our specs. So back then, there were no stomp boxes or special effects and that sort of thing. Um, and I'm just wondering, how did that lack of effects, now, nowadays when someone's looking for sound, they go out and they buy a bunch of gear and they buy a lot of different stomp boxes and so forth. Mm -hmm. But back then, you just had your guitar and your amplifier. Well, what you had, uh, you know, if, if you were doing some recording, you had uh, what they call tape reverb. And uh, when we recorded our first uh, three albums in Seattle, and we uh, also um, did uh, Walk Don't Run Perfidia and the singles that they took out of there, uh, we happened to get a studio that uh, had recorded a group called the Fleetwoods, and they had two number one hits. And this was uh, a, a, an engineer and the owner of the, of the studio called Joe Bowles. 
studio. And uh, so, you know, Bob and I, we saved our money enough to go in there and do a recording uh, without any uh, record company backing or anything. We just had to save our money because we went around with different things and nobody wanted it, so we got turned down a lot. Even with Walk Don't Run, we got turned down. So anyway, what it was that to get a sound is called tape reverb. And uh, how's that work? I'm In the old days, uh, the, the, the recording machine had uh, either two head recording heads or three recording heads. And fortunately, when they went into the studio, Joe Bull's studio, he had one of those old Ampex machines. Yeah, two-track. Yeah, it was a two-track, <laughs> but it had a third recording head. And what happened, you could vary that that recording head, that other recording head, and give it a a, a uh, tape echo uh, effect. And that's what, you know, a lot of the, uh, or the characteristic of certainly Walk Don't Run and, and some of the early recordings home, uh, have that, you know, the tape echo, and that was one of the initial recording, uh, you know, uh, effects that were used in in, uh, in the studio. Yeah. Uh, uh, tell them about where the, there was a, a live reverb. Remember, yeah. Where was the reverb? Yeah, Joe Bowles, he had uh, an echo chamber, you want to call it an echo chamber, where he, in his shower, he tied a, a microphone <laughs> around the shower head and then let the... Uh, the microphone dangled down and yeah. then he would uh, get the sound from that and that was the echo chamber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys use a different uh, stage amplification setup in uh, Japan as compared to North America? Like, does the Japan market favor a slightly different tone or is it contractual or? No. Uh, I have my own amplifier in Japan a company called uh, Cannabis that makes drums. And uh, they wanted to uh, do an amplifier for me and I gave them all the specs for it. And uh, so that's what I use in Japan. And uh, Bob, you use? In Japan, uh, we, we use uh, Roland JC120s. And uh, for bass, we use Nampeg uh, Classic, uh, which is, for bass, it's pretty much the same, whether it's Japan or here. And in, um, in, in America, we generally use just Fender, uh, some type of Fender type of uh, vintage type of amplifier here. But I think, and Don uses some kind of Fender amplifier when we're, yeah. we're here. But I think in terms of, of uh, characterizing the, the ventures, the, the trick, or the, not trick, but the uh, the magic is really in the playing. And that's what really gives it the sound of the ventures, is, is the, the playing itself. You can add all kinds of different kind of effects and stuff, but the playing really does characterize, you know, uh, the ventures itself. And we're usually looking for a clean sound. That uh, We've played through a few amplifiers that, uh, you turn them up to a certain degree and they'll distort. And we never like that. We, we, we want to play clean. If we want distortion, we'll put it on, but we don't want to be stuck with it. And there are some amps that do that, and uh, we try to avoid them. Wow, what a great interview. Thanks again, Rich, and thanks to Don and Bob of the Ventures. 
Stay tuned for the second half of this interview on our next podcast. Now back to you, lady. Okay, let's mellow out just a bit with the title track from the Takeoff's latest CD. This is called Blue Avalanche.
that was a fun set. The last tune was called Schleppen and Kvetchen from Meshuggah Beach Party's new CD, Hot Rod Hanukkah. If the uh, twangy guitar sounded kind of familiar on that tune, it's because Mr. Dwayne Eddy, the man who invented that sound, plays on that tune. All right, we started off the set with Blue Avalanche. That's the title track from the Takeoff's latest CD. They're from Kauai, Hawaii. Followed by a song called Berlin Alexanderplatz, off of a CD entitled Viva, from Finnish band El Supernaut. And after that we heard Lava Tube, from Sacramento, California band The Lava Pups. And that's off their latest album, Into the Flow. Alright, this next set has a much darker feel. And the first song's intro is sure to totally creep you out. This is Suppose the Doomsday Cults Were Right, from Alabama band Kill Baby Kill. Planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to evacuate is to leave with us.
tune was The Martyr from awesome San Diego band The Secret Samurai. That's off their latest release, Zanshin. At the top of the set we heard Suppose the Doomsday Cults Were Right from Kill Baby Kill. That's off their new CD, Sometimes They Come Back. After that we heard Spooky from New York City band The Coffin Daggers. That's from their latest release, Monsters from the Id. And finally, we heard a fantastic cover of the Tornadoes song, Beyond the Surf. That was from Australian band Space Party. That's off their CD, Invasion of the Surfer Men. All right, kids, get ready to rock, because for the final set in this podcast, all the songs move at amazing speeds. First song up is from my buddies here in the East Bay, the band called The Deadbeats. And this is their kick-ass tune, Gooch in Space.
I started off there with Gooch in Space from the Deadbeats. That's off their truly fantastic debut album, Day of the Deadbeats. After that, we heard Mobius Transformation from my husband's band, The Tomorrow Men. That's from their debut album, It's About Time. Following that was Whirling Dervish from Charlotte, North Carolina band, The Aqualads. And that was off their album, Treasures. And finally, we heard Staccato Lane from fantastic San Diego band, The Sand Devils. That's off their self-titled new release. Well, surf comrades, that's it for this podcast. Hope you enjoyed it, and I'm happy to say that this is just the first half of the new releases we have for you. The next podcast will also be featuring more music from the new releases of 2011. So as the sun begins to set here in California, I'll leave you with one last tune from Terry Buffalo Ware's new album, Reverb Babylon. The name of this tune is Subway Surfing. surf music fans this has been lady reverb for surfguitar101.com who hopes you'll keep your music alive the love in your heart and that reverb tank in good working order